6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of Jeremiah, chapters 19 through 21. He's using those idioms that in his Jewish uh, mind are ways of just expressing how unhappy he is. Why doesn't he curse his parents for bringing him to the earth? Because that was forbidden by the law of Moses. He does not curse. Moses condemned that in Exodus 21, verse 17 and elsewhere. Okay. So he's not really cursing, certainly not his parents, because that's not appropriate. This, incidentally, is very parallel to the words of Elijah. Remember after Mount Carmel and Jezebel, Elijah goes through a period where he wishes he hadn't been born. He goes in a big sulk, right? And that's in 1 Kings 19. You can chase that down on your own as sort of a parallel idea. And this is nothing more. It's very vivid in terms of Jeremiah's heart, how upset he is. It's nothing more than that. He's not really calling down curses on other people. He's using that as a, a very Jewish figure of speech. So don't, I wouldn't, you know, it's a rhetorical candor on Jeremiah's way of saying how he, how he really feels, okay? Now, we're, that brings us to uh, chapter 21, and um, this actually happens to be the start of a major section. Uh, the first uh, 19 chapters have a certain style, verses 21 through 25. It, in some respects, may sound much as the same thing, but you may decide, notice a change of style because there's going to be more references to times, places, and persons. So there's going to be, it's going, the action's going to pick up here a little bit, and so uh, hang in there. Uh, chapters 21, 22, and 23 are a series of messages delivered under four kings. Some people call this section the comments on the kings. And they're not necessarily in chronological order, as I've warned you before. So we're don't, don't, don't get concerned about that, if you will. Uh, chapter 21, for a lot of reasons, appears to have been delivered about 588 B.C., so it's more recent than some of the stuff we've been having. Uh, the Babylonians are advancing on Jerusalem, but they haven't actually been besieging it at close range yet. They will about to, in, in, in about 587, 86, they'll siege it and level it. So that's the big, that's the third siege of Nebuchadnezzar. It's the brutal one. And that's forthcoming, and we're going to sense it get, you know, happening here. This is going to occur in about the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, which uh, of an 11-year reign. The siege is going to show up shortly and last about a year and a half that they're sieged and slaughtered and resort to cannibalism and all of that stuff. Chronologically, chapter 21 falls between chapters 37 and 38, so... Uh, I think it's very laborious if you really want to try and get this all chronological, and it's certainly not clear of controversy. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll give you some notes as we go, but I don't think we're obviously not making that a, a major emphasis. Now, Zedekiah, the guy we're going to talk about here, was uh, the, the last king, if you will. He was a vassal king that was put on the throne by Nebuchadnezzar. You'll find this in 2 Kings 24. He was the uncle of Jehoiachin. Jehoiachin we're going to talk more about in the next chapter. They're not in chronological order, but 
Jahiah Chin was that really bad guy. Well, Jahiah Kim was, well, they're all bad. They're really bad in this. But Jahiah Chin is so bad that God is going to pronounce a curse on him that is unique and of extreme interest to you and I for reasons I'll come to when we get there. But he is displaced, and uh, uh, his uncle is um, uh, put on the throne in, in, instead. Now, Zedekiah likes Jeremiah. Zedekiah is really not as bad as Jehoiachin was. Jehoiachin or Jehoiakim, predecessors. Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin were both sons of Josiah, so they were eligible in that sense. Zedekiah was Jehoiachin's uncle, but Nebuchadnezzar, when he gets fed up with the, the, the goings-on, takes care of them, puts them in slavery, and takes the uncle and um, puts him in charge. One of Zedekiah's problems is the Jews themselves never really accepted him as a king because he's put on the throne by uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. That was the second siege. The first siege, Jehoiakim was put in charge. Nebuchadnezzar goes back to take over Babylon. There's a rebellion. Um, Nebuchadnezzar's allies in the second uh, uh, siege take Jehoiachin, take him into captivity, and put um, Zedekiah on the throne, take Ezekiel and some others also captive. In the third siege, when Zedekiah doesn't cut it, Nebuchadnezzar really has a belly full and levels the place. But Zedekiah's power came from Nebuchadnezzar. The Jews never really accepted him. The Jehoiachin Chin um, uh, was taken captive in 597 B.C. and carried off. They always expected him to come back, so they never really ex accepted Zedekiah. And they thought that Jehoiachin Chin was their true king, and they expected him to return and uh, we'll find that in chapter 28 when we get there. But uh, Now, Zedekiah, though, is basically would like to be nicer to Jeremiah. His problem is his second-in-command hated, hated Jeremiah. So Zedekiah is weak and vacillating and therefore damaging. And one of the things we learn, out, learn throughout all history, secular history as well, is, is that weak men hurt people. You can think in terms of this country, too, where we've had weak leadership and how uh, empires have fallen because of it. And uh, weak men who have good intentions but are not strong and show, don't show good leadership can cause slaughters and tragedy, unfortunately. Now, chapters 21 through 29, that we're the section we're going into, is going to be more important to you and I than some of the other chapters because they lay the groundwork for a period of time which in the Scripture is called the times of the Gentiles. In Luke chapter 21, verse 24, the Lord uses that phrase, speaking of the times of the Gentiles. And those times start with Nebuchadnezzar, and they conclude with a guy that's probably alive today, running around somewhere. So, the times of the Gentiles, an interesting period of time prophetically, and uh, that... Um, particular interest to us. Okay, let's move in. Chapter 21, verse 1. The word uh, which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, when King Zedekiah sent unto him Pasher, the son of Malchiah, and Zephaniah, the son of some other unpronounceable name, uh, the priest, saying, inquire, I pray thee, etc. And again, don't, don't, mis don't confuse this Pasher with the one we read about a couple of chapters ago. This is a different, or the last chapter is a different guy. So it, it, it carries, it's either a common name or more than likely a, a title of sorts. Anyway, uh, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah during this reign. He says, inquire, I pray thee, of the Lord for, oh, by the way, a significant period of time. Something more than 10 years, maybe 15 years, occurred between these two chapters. 
the pasture before is long gone, different deal. This is Zedekiah. This is before the, the big one. This is, this is as I said, the, in the ninth year of an 11-year rule. So this is two years before. Yeah, it's, in fact, probably about 17 years after, the, after chapter 20. So just because they're adjacent chapters does not have anything to do with the chronology. This is Jeremiah, just a collection of Majariah's, Jeremiah's messages put together by his scribe, his secretary, by the name of Baruch. Okay, moving on. Uh, verse 2, inquire, pray thee of the Lord for us. For Nebuchadnezzar, on here, you know what's Kedrezer? Uh, incidentally, most of us know him as Nebuchadnezzar, and that's probably wrong. Um, his actual name is believed to be Nebuchadrezzar, Nabu Kapuri Usar, which means Nebu, do thou protect thy crown. And so you'll find a couple of places in the scripture it's transliterated from other languages. So here you see Nebuchadrezzar. Don't be confused. It's the, it's the same guy. It just happens that in a couple of places his name is transliterated slightly differently. And if we were really going to retrain ourselves, Nebuchadrezzar is probably closer to the Babylonian word, the Chaldean word. You and I, and at least I'm just giving in to the fact that you and I know him so well as Nebuchadnezzar, I will just not try to, uh, in my old age, uh, relearn it the right way, okay? You can say the same thing about Jehovah and Yahweh. There's all kinds of reasons to say that Yahweh comes closer to what it may have been rather than Jehovah, but I'm, again, lazy, and I just, you know, it's it, uh, I, I find it hard to get used to the Yahweh thing. So, so again, we're just being um, lazy, probably. But at least intellectually, you'll know that this is probably the right way. Anyway, basically, he's solicit Zedekiah is soliciting uh, from uh, Jeremiah. See, the word came from the Lord when, when King Zedekiah sent unto him this embassy, this group of guys, soliciting from Jeremiah what he hoped would be a favorable oracle, right? And um, there's examples of that. If we go back and look in 2 Kings 19, we'll discover that Hezekiah uh, did the same thing to Isaiah. Hezekiah sent an emissary to Isaiah, and Isaiah said, don't worry about those enemies out there, the Lord's going to take care of you. And the Lord did, okay? That incidentally occurs in 2 Kings 18 and 19, if you want to track that down. Another example is Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20. And there's some similar examples in the book of Judges, where the king is worried, sends to the prophet, tells us what's going to happen. The prophet says, don't worry. So you're outnumbered 20 to 1 not to worry. The Lord's going to fight for you. And there's a history of those. Zedekiah is hoping that's his message. Go to Jeremiah and, and, and get, give me a word from the Lord. And he's going to find out that the Lord's going to fight don't worry, the Lord's going to fight in that battle, but not on your side, on the side of your enemies. <laughs> that wasn't really what he had in mind. So Zedekiah says, Inquire, I pray thee, of the Lord for us. For Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, maketh war against us. If so be that the Lord will deal with us according to all his wondrous works, that we may go up, that he may go up from us. The meaning of the Lord will, you know, like before, you know, fight on our side. Verse 3, Then Jeremiah said to them, Thus shall ye say, to Zedekiah, speaking to this emissary group that came from the king. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands, with which ye fight against the king of Babylon and against the Chaldeans who besiege you outside the walls, and I will assemble them into the midst of this city. 
I myself will fight against, I the Lord, I will fight against you with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm, even in anger and in fury and in great wrath. Oh boy. How would you like the God of Israel to say that to you? That I'm not only not going to help you, that'd be bad enough. You know, you could say, gee, my hand is held. I'm just going to turn my back. Uh, you're on your own. That would be disaster. Worse than that, he said, I'm going to fight against you. And wholeheartedly. Verse 6, and I will smite the inhabitants of the city, both man and beast, and they shall die of a great pestilence. And afterwards, saith the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and his servants, and the people, and such as are left in the city, from the pestilence, and from the sword, and from the famine, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and into the hand of their enemies, and into the hand of those who seek their life. And he shall smite them with the edge of the sword. He shall not spare them, neither have pity, nor have mercy." And unto this people shalt uh, thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He that abideth in the city shall die by the sword, and by the famine, and by the pestilence. And he that goeth out, that uh, falleth to the Chaldeans that besiege you, he shall live, and this and his life shall be unto him for a prize. By the way, not much of life is going to go into slavery, but at least he'll live. Jeremiah is saying, give up. You who will give up will at least live. Those of you that are going to fight this are all going to die. To take your pick. That's what he's saying. Verse 10, For I have set my face against this city for evil and not for good, saith the Lord, and it shall be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. By the way, one other point I did not make, and I'm into it, I just noticing my notes here. When Zedekiah was, at, was hoping that he would get the same response that Hezekiah did again from Isaiah, or that Jehoshaphat did back in Second uh, Chronicles. There's a difference. Those guys were repentant. Those guys said, gee, did we screw up, Lord? We won't do that anymore. Forgive us, and they repented, and that God forgave them. There's no evidence that Zedekiah repented of anything or even recognize the whole thing that Jeremiah's been singing to him. Um, so that's, uh, you know, obviously a, a, meaning, a meaningful difference, okay? There are actually, what, what Zedekiah wants is an oracle, and what God gives him is three oracles. One oracle against uh, Zedekiah, another oracle against the people, and a third oracle against the Davidic house. Against the Davidic house. Just for fun to talk about Zedekiah here a little bit, let's turn to, uh, let's peek ahead at Jeremiah 34. Here's another message from Jeremiah to Zedekiah, okay? And it's kind of fun to read uh, verse 3, 34, 3, And thou shalt not escape out of his hand, but thou shalt surely be taken and delivered into his hand, and thine eyes shall behold the eyes of the king of Babylon, and he shall speak with thee mouth to mouth, and thou shalt go to Babylon." And hear the word of the Lord, O Zedekiah, king of Judah, thus saith the Lord of thee, Thou shalt not die by the sword, but thou shalt die in peace. And with the burnings of thy fathers and the former kings who were before thee, so shall they burn odors for thee, and, thou sh and they shall lament thee, saying, O ah, Lord, for I have pronounced the word, saith the Lord, and so on. So that's what Jeremiah says in verse 34. While Jeremiah is writing here in Jerusalem, in the second deportation, there was a guy by the name of Ezekiel 
who writes at the same time, but he's a slave in Babylon, several hundred miles to the east. It might be kind of instructive to take a look at Ezekiel chapter 12. In Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 13, Ezekiel happens to be writing about this guy Zedekiah. And in verse 13 of chapter 12, Ezekiel says, speaking for the Lord, My net also will I spread upon him, and he shall be taken in my snare. And I will bring him to Babylon, to the land of the Chaldeans. Yet he shall not see it, though he shall die there. And it goes on and says some more, but you notice he will not see it, though he shall die there. Now, Zedekiah's first string guys made fun of the prophets. He says, you guys can't even get your act together. Because uh, uh, one guy says, you're not going to die by the sword, and the other guy says, you're going to die, and one guy says, you're going to be in Babylon, the other guy says, you'll never see the Babylonian captivity, and they, they mock all this. To give, a, give you an instruction in taking prophecy literally, turn with me to 2 Kings 25. In 2 Kings 25, we have an interesting little historical note. 2 Kings 25, verse 6. This is where Zedekiah, Nebuchadnezzar, sieges Jerusalem, takes Zedekiah, Zedekiah captive. Okay? And it says, verse 6, So they took the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah, and they pronounced sentence upon him. Notice verse 7. And they slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. So here's the king. The first thing they do, as the, the, the Babylonians do, is they bring his sons before him and slaughter them in front of their father, the king. Then they put out his eyes and bound him with fetters of bronze and carried him to Babylon. Little historical note. Now when you go back, and read the prophecies of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, the creepy thing that gets to you is they're very literally fulfilled. Zedekiah did not die by the sword. They put out his eyes. The last thing he saw, last his last living memory, was his sons being slaughtered. And they carried him off to Babylon. So the apparently contradictory words between Jeremiah and Ezekiel that he would die in Babylon, though he never saw it. Zedekiah never saw Babylon, just like Ezekiel said. Why? Because his eyes were put out. And as you read God's prophecy, and this happens to be perhaps kind of a grisly example, but it does tell you to read the fine print. Because what God does, he performs. He's very, very literal. When he says they're going to be slaves in Babylon for 70 years, they are slaves in Babylon for 70 years to the very day. To the very day. When the nation was going to be destroyed, the servitude of the nation was to be 70 years, and they were the nation was out of existence for 70 years to the day. When the prophets say Jerusalem will be leveled and desolate for 70 years, it's desolate 70 years to the day. By the way, the slavery of the nation and the desolations of Jerusalem are not coterminous. There's a 19-year offset, but each one is literally to the day. And we'll get into that at another time.
but remember that because we're going to make something of that later. Back to Jeremiah, verse 21, by chapter 21. We got down to about verse... Um, I'm thinking about verse 10. For I have set my face against the city with evil, not for good, saith the Lord. It shall be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. And touching uh, the house of, Ju of the king of Judah, say, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of David, thus saith the Lord, execute justice in the morning, and deliver him that is spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor. Lest my fury go out like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Behold, I am against thee, O inhabitant of the valley and rock of the plain, saith the Lord, who say, Who shall come down against us, or who shall enter into our habitations? But I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings, saith the Lord. I will kindle a fire in her forest, and it shall devour all things round about it. This whole business of Jeremiah's prophecy, you can get the feeling for, especially in this earlier passage from 8, 9, 10 in there, that Jeremiah, who's prophesying their doom against Babylon, you can understand why politically he was labeled a traitor. He was charged, in fact, with treachery. We're going to discover that in chapters 37 and 38 of the book of Jeremiah, so we'll get into it then. As just a footnote, though, those charges were proven false because when the city fell, he chose to remain in the devastated land. He was not in any way a collaborator with the enemy. He, he chose to remain in the devastation. He is, he's, uh, you know, clearly it was just, they didn't understand him. He was speaking of the Lord and prophesying what was coming. Now, we're going to take on next time, chapter 22, no surprise, you finished the end of chapter 21. No big deal going to chapter 22. Uh, that may not surprise you, but I want to ask you to do something for next time as a little preparation. We're going to discover at the end of chapter 22 an interesting curse. Jehoiachin has a second name called Jeconiah, and his throne name is Coniah. It only occurs in like three places in the Scripture, but it's the same guy. Coniah, Jeconiah, or Jehoiachin, are all the same guy. He is so bad that God pronounces a blood curse on he and his offspring. That has profound implications for you and I. And what you might find interesting to do for next time is to read Matthew chapter 1, and I think it's Luke 3, the genealogies of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk a little bit about how fascinatingly intricate God's plan is for you and I, and just how far he goes to create a blessing for all of us. The next time, among other things, we'll obviously get into these um, issues. We're going to talk next time about the Davidic kings, but it's going to climax with a blood curse. Jehoiachin is the last of the kings of Judah. His grandson, Zerubbabel, who is active in the return to the land after the exile, when they return, is governor, not king. Jeriah Chin is the last of the house of David on the throne. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, 
if you read your Gospels carefully, carefully, or even a couple of Christmas cards that you get from time to time, you'll discover that Mary got a very peculiar prophecy from the angel that visited her, who announced that she was going to be the mother of Jesus Christ. And the promise that he gives Mary is that her son will sit on the throne of David. You got a problem with that. There is no throne of David. Never was during the life of Mary or the ministry of Jesus Christ. The last of the house of David to sit on the Davidic throne was Jehoiachin, and he did such a bad job that God pronounces a blood curse on Jehoiachin and his offspring forever. That's an interesting problem. How can God have somebody inherit the throne of David who is an heir to the royal line of the house of David through Solomon and the whole routine and be heir to the throne of David and not be subject to this blood curse of Jeconiah in uh, Jeremiah 22? And it's a very, very interesting answer that we'll, get, we'll develop next time. And uh, it's really, I think, going to be kind of interesting. So I don't want to get in that halfway tonight. Um, I encourage you to read chapter 22 for next time, particularly verses 20 through the end. This this strange, the last the last uh, half a dozen cha- verses, This this from verse 24 to the end is this blood curse on Kaniah, Jeconiah, or also called Jehoiachin. What's that all about? And what's that got to do with Christmas? And what's that got to do with you and I? Everything in the world. Now, where I'm going to show you why Jesus Christ is, in fact, the only person from Jehoiachin on who can possibly qualify. And he has yet to assume the throne of David, and he's going to. And you and I are going to be alive to see him. So we'll talk a little bit about that next time. We'll take the old Jeremiah, we'll take a a little different tack. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Download the new K-House TV app to access an ever-growing collection of free resources. Visit the Apple or Android App Store and search K-House TV on your Roku or Fire TV streaming device. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.